you'll open your Bibles this morning to the book of Philippians chapter number 4, I want to talk to you this morning about anxiety, and the title of the message today is, Is There an Answer for My Anxiety? Now, I wish on a topic like this that I could take about an hour and a half and us really explore this whole thing about anxiety, but if I talk that long, I'm going to just make you more anxious, right? I'm going to increase your levels of anxiety, and what I hope to do today is to reduce any anxiety that you may be feeling in your life. Now, I think the best place for us to start today would be define what we mean by the word anxiety. What, is, what does that word literally mean? Well, our word anxiety comes from the word angst, A-N-G-S-T, and it has with it the idea of an uneasy feeling. It is a feeling of being uptight, the feeling of maybe being worried about something. It's Anxiety is really the inability to slow your mind down and relax. When a person is anxious or going through a season of anxiety, their mind is just racing. And so maybe they're not able to sleep so well. Maybe they're just not able to to relax. Anxiety also has with it the idea of being fearful that something bad is about to happen. A person who's anxious is maybe thinking, I hope I don't get cancer or I hope my family member doesn't die. I hope I don't lose my job, but I'm afraid one of those things might happen. And so an anxious person is always fearful or worried that something bad is around the corner and that something bad might happen. Now, it's interesting as you read and study about this whole problem of anxiety, it is a real issue in the world. In fact, studies tell us that the United States now, how's this for an award? We have been voted the most anxious nation in all the world. We're spending more money treating anxiety than any other nation in the world. Much of that has to do with our pace of life. We're going to get into that. And it has to do with other things that trigger those anxious feelings. In fact, in the the United States, 50 million people in the course of a 12-month period will experience severe anxiety, whether that is a panic attack or whether that is becoming physically sick because of these, these anxious feelings. And so what I, one of the things I want to say today at the beginning of this message is that anxiety itself is not a sin. Anxiety is an emotion, and we have to learn how to deal with it. And that is really at the heart of everything I'm going to say for the next half hour. If we can learn how to deal with these uneasy feelings, this racing mind that we can't seem to slow down, this fear that something bad is going to happen, then we're going to be well on our way to experiencing victory in this area in our life. And Philippians chapter 4 is a wonderful passage of Scripture for us to look at. There are others we could have turned to. Jesus addressed anxiety in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, be anxious for nothing, don't worry about anything. And Paul in Philippians chapter 4 is dealing with the exact same thing. Now, it's interesting. The Bible is Kendall's most highlighted book. And Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, is the most highlighted passage in the Bible. And so that just tells us that people are struggling with anxiety, and Christians are struggling with anxiety. This is not one of those issues you say, well, I'll get saved and I'll never have another anxious moment. That's just not reality. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians from a Roman prison. He's confined, he's trapped, and he can't get out of this prison. So he had 
every human reason to feel anxious, to feel uneasy, and yet he doesn't seem to have any of that. He's even writing to tell others how they can be at peace. And here's what Paul says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And so in verse number six, he's talking about anxiety. In verse number seven, he's talking about the peace of God, which is the total opposite of anxiety. But in verse number six, he begins by saying, be anxious for nothing. Say those four words with me. Be anxious for nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that. And I think to myself, Paul, did you literally mean that? Are you telling us in the day in which we live, even the day in which you live, that it is possible for us to go out there in life and never be anxious? And I think Paul would say in response to that, no, that's not exactly what I meant. And the reason I say that is this phrase, be anxious for nothing, in the Greek language is in the present tense which doesn't mean anything much to us today, but to those first century readers of Greek, it meant a great deal to them because what that present tense uh, part of the language means is don't continue on with anxiety. Don't make anxiety a way of your life. Paul was not saying never have an anxious thought. He had another verb tense he could have used if he wanted to convey that. No, if someone dies, if you're involved in an accident, if you, I mean, if you get in bad traffic uh, tomorrow morning going to work, going to downtown on Interstate 45, it's just natural that you would have a feeling of anxiety. That, that pretty much is just part of life. What Paul is saying is don't let that feeling of anxiety become a way of life because when it becomes a way of life, it can be debilitating, can be devastating, and it can ruin a person's life. And so today, what I want us to think about is how we can deal with the anxiety that's in our life. Now, last week, I asked if we could have this little board up here today because I wanted to just write some things out today, and I think it might be a little more helpful if we could see it than me just say it. And so the issue that we're dealing with today is anxiety. And that seems to be on a lot of people's mind, and that's what a lot of people are struggling with. Now, anxiety is a problem that causes other problems. And so from anxiety, there are two main problems. There are probably more, but there are two main things that come out of anxiety. First of all is just what we'll call physical problems. It could be as minor as your eyes are twitching. And I'm not saying every time your eye twitches that means you're anxious, but many times that is the cause of that. It could be a bad headache. It could be lightheadedness. It could be dizziness. You do a little study on physical symptoms that stem from anxiety. It could be uh, digestive problems. Maybe you have uh, indigestion. Maybe you have an upset stomach. And so now you're going to a gastrologist and you're taking medication to try to help your stomach and your indigestion or you're taking other medications from other doctors to try to deal with these physical problems and that certainly is understandable. It could be uh, that your physical problem is chest pain. Chest pain is one of the most common results of anxiety. In fact, many people today are going to emergency rooms with chest pain thinking they're having a heart attack. And the overwhelming majority of those people are not having a heart attack at all. They're having anxiety. And what it's doing, it is tightening up the muscles, particularly the back behind your head and particularly in the chest. Now, 
If you go home today and start having chest pain, don't tell your wife, well, John said it's nothing, and I'm going to just ride this thing out. Because if you kill over this afternoon, I'm going to get blamed for that. If you're having chest pain, go to the doctor and hope that what I'm saying is right. Hope it's not a heart attack. Hope that it is anxiety. But the point I'm making is there are a lot of physical problems. I'm not even mentioning the more serious problems that could stem from anxiety. And then there's an emotional problem that comes from anxiety, and that is depression. Now, there are a lot of things that can cause depression. But one of the main things that we know causes depression is anxiety. And the Bible even says that. Let me give you a verse to write down. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number 25, it said, Anxiety in the heart of a man leads to depression. And so depression, not every single time, but many times, it is the result of anxiety. Now, what I'm wanting to get across today, and the reason I called the church last week and said, could we please have this board out there, because I want you to see this. Anxiety is a problem in our world today. It is a major problem. And if this service is like the 930 service, that means there are a good number of people in this room right now who are battling the monster of anxiety. A lady came up to me between services, she and her husband, and she said, I've been battling anxiety for 25 years. And she said, you said some things today that I think is really going to help me. And I hope so. I hope God, through this sermon, will help all of us. So anxiety is a major problem, but it causes these other problems. Now the chest is hurting. Now the, stump, the digestive system's all messed up. Now we're lightheaded or now we're dizzy. So now we're trying to get treatment for those things. And in many cases, it can lead to depression. And don't think that that's not a major problem. Uh, lady came, another lady came up to me after the first service. She said, John... I wish that one of my friends could have heard this message because he got in a situation where he was battling with depression and he didn't know how to handle it and he was so low and none of us seemed to be able to help him out of it. And sadly, tragically, last week he took his life. And so depression is a real problem. And it is something that many people are struggling with. And what I'm, the whole purpose of this message, and what I, the reason I wanted to put this on the board today is the focus today seems to be either on anxiety, one of these physical problems that stems from anxiety, or depression. That's what people are saying, this is my problem. And it is a problem. But the point of this sermon is to say there's something feeding the anxiety, there's, there's the, the anxiety and the depression and these other things many times are not the real problem. They are a result of another problem. And one of the things I love about the Bible is that the Bible is always wanting to get to the root of the problem. The Bible's not just dealing with the fruit or the result of the problem. And so many times anxiety, depression, chest pain, headaches, lightheadedness, all this stuff, that is... That is a problem, but it's a result of a greater problem. And so today, in our time together, if we can figure out, with the help of the Holy Spirit, what it is that's causing the anxiety, that's causing all these other stuff, then we can deal with the real problem, and we can begin to see these anxiety levels go down. We can see some of these physical uh, symptoms go down, and the depression itself. Kind of like this morning we woke up, there was a heavy cloud over the area. 
Well, I looked outside between the services, and the, cl- fo- the not a cloud, the fog, and that fog now is beginning to lift. Well, the fog of depression and anxiety will gradually begin to lift if we can deal with the root cause. And so, the million-dollar question today is, what is causing the anxiety? What is making 50 million Americans a year have this problem? And what is making a lot of people even here today having this problem? And it's probably something we have all struggled with in our lives. I'll say this, like today, if there was any such thing as an anxiety meter, if you could, on a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, measure our anxiety levels, well, like at this moment, my anxiety level is a zero. I don't have any anxiety right now, but I can guarantee you this. There have been plenty of days in my life where I felt like I was coming to eight or nine or a 10. So I understand this whole thing about anxiety, and I think that's why it's so on my heart. How do we deal with it? What's fueling it and what is causing it? And I believe, and I'm simplifying this, but I think everything I'm going to say fits here. What is feeding the anxiety is stress. There's your problem right there. And that's what's causing all these other things. And so the the best way to deal with the other things is to deal with the stress. Now, I would never be able to say that that we're going to be able to eliminate all stress. But I am saying we can manage it and deal with it. And so I want to mention four areas today where stress has seems to have gotten completely out of control. And you might want to just jot some of these things down. Number one area and the thing that is causing our stress is overcrowded schedules. We're just too busy. We are far busier than our grandparents and our great-grandparents ever were. Our great-grandparents, even our grandparents, like I think about my grandparents, hard-working people, loved God, loved their family, worked hard, got up early, went to work early, five or six o'clock, work is over. They're going home, they're having dinner. Certainly our great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents, why? Because at 5 or 6 o'clock, they go home and have dinner. They didn't even have any electricity. So they're not going to work all night at home on a project for, for work or anything like that. They're going to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Yeah, they're getting up early and working harder. But today, what are we doing? We're saying, well, we've got electricity. We've got television. We've got things. You've got kids. You've got family responsibilities. And so the pace of our lives is just wearing all of us down, and so an overcrowded schedule, and being too busy. And I even think back when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and the fourth one of those commandments said, Moses, be sure to tell the people, out of every seven-day period, got to have one day off. God made us that way. We work better if we take a day off, and we work better if within each day we have some time in the evening, more than likely, where we can disconnect from work from responsibilities, and just relax. We have to let our bodies rest. You see, when we're always going and always doing, our bodies are in a state of of chronic tension. And when your muscles are tensed up, that activates your brain, and that means your brain is always on high alert. And that leads to the second thing I want to say that's causing the stress today, and that is overactive minds. We're having a problem slowing our mind down. And again, I'll make this clear. When your body's tense, your brain interprets that as danger. Or it interprets that as we need to do something to release this tension and to relax these muscles. And so we have overactive minds today. Part of the reason we have these overactive minds today 
is because the, technology, the world of technology, all this instant news, we get it on our phone. I was preaching in the first service talking about technology and, and overactive minds and all this, and there was an Amber Alert, and the whole church's phone went off on Amber Alert. And it proved my point. It couldn't have been better. I mean, I, we pray for the situation on the Amber Alert, but I'm saying we have news is constantly at our fingertips. Max Licato, in his book on this subject called Anxious for Nothing, said that uh, on, the, on, the, uh, on the anxiety level in the news, he said, when our grandparents were, were living, if your grandparents are gone now, like if there was an earthquake in China, they would have found out about that earthquake two or three days later in the evening, in the paper, in the, in the morning or evening news. Our parents, if there was an earthquake in China, would have found out about it at the 10 o'clock news that night. If there's an earthquake in China today, we find out about it before the earthquake quits shaking in China. I mean, there's an earthquake in China right now going on, or there's a flood in Thailand. We're not waiting three days or to the evening news. We know about it right now. And what I'm saying is technology, while there's so much good about it and the potential for so much good, I'm not so sure sometimes that the negatives don't outweigh. I'm very familiar with the positives, but I think sometimes the negatives outweigh the positives. And if you're anything like me, most every day, I'll look on my phone just to find out what's happening in the world to see what's trending on Twitter, just see who, what, who did what and what's happening out there. And some days I just think, I don't even need to, I, it's too much information. I can't, I can't do anything with all that information. And so we have to learn to slow our minds down. Now, you still listen? Say amen. On these first two things that I'm mentioning today, there's something that we can do to help with the stress on the overcrowded schedules, we can slow down. There's your solution right there. Slow down. Have a time each day when you disconnect. And that means you can't go to everything you're asked to go to. You can't be at every commitment in town. You have to slow down and you have to let yourself rest. On the second thing about overactive minds, what we have to do is you could say this a lot of different ways, but we have to guard our thoughts. Take our thoughts captive. Another thing that is causing the problem with our mind is not just technology. It is the devil. And the devil many times is putting thoughts in our minds of fear, of dread, something bad's going to happen. Uh, and he's filling our mind. He's telling us you can't do things. For example, you work for a business. And so tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, you're scheduled to make a presentation it's your company. you got to speak for 35 minutes on whatever it is that you're responsible for. And you're not a public speaker. And so the thought of standing in front of 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 people for 35 minutes is, is just overwhelming to you. And it's causing what? It's causing anxiety. It's causing your stomach to hurt. It's causing you to have a headache. It's keeping you up at night. It's made you even a little bit depressed. And so, but you have to go back to the source of that. What, what is the real problem? One of the problems there is the devil's telling you you can't do it. See, if you're not a public speaker, I've learned this about the devil. The devil, and the Bible says he's like a roaring lion, so let's just stay with that analogy. Just like a lion in the wild will attack a weaker animal. When we are weakened with fear or maybe just something where if you say, I'm not a public speaker, so that just, just scares me to death. Okay, so the devil sees he has you in a weakened condition. He will just pounce on that, and he will say to you, you can't do it. There have been so many times in my life the devil has said that to me, something I'm going through in my life, 
and whether it's preaching or any other thing in my life, and I've heard this so many times from the devil, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And something the devil got on me about two and a half years ago, it just, and I never had really thought about it like this, but I just kept hearing this voice saying to me, you're alone, you're alone, you're alone. You've got nobody to help you. You're alone, you're alone. And you, as a result of that, you can't do this and you can't you need somebody to help you and when you go places to speak or something like that. And here you are all alone. And it became a very, it caused me to have that anxious feeling. So much so that I got three Bible verses and I had them typed out, put them on this little card. And every morning for a good long while now, when I'm getting ready, when I'm putting my keys in my pocket, I look down on my nightstand. I keep this right by my, by my bed. And I read these three verses every morning. And when I read them this morning, I was not even planning on sharing this. And I thought, you know, that'd be a good thing to share. Because when it comes to an overactive mind, one of the things we have to do, not just disconnect from technology, but one of the things we have to learn to do is to respond to the devil's lies with truth. And I want to give you three verses. You can just jot these down and maybe write them up uh, for yourself when you get home. But here's the first verse I read every morning. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 9. Listen to this. God said to Joshua. Now, here's Joshua. Moses has died. Joshua's a new leader. And Joshua's thinking, I'm not Moses. I can't do everything Moses did. There's no way I can carry out these responsibilities. And here's what God said. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, when we read our Bibles, if we read, for example, thou shalt not murder and don't commit adultery, we read that and it scares us to death and we think, God, help me not to ever do that or help me not to ever lie or use profanity or cheat anybody. Well, but in the same way, God is commanding us not to be afraid. It's a command, but he gave us a reason not to be afraid. He said, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go does me so good every day to remind myself, I'm not alone. I'm never alone. God is with me everywhere I go. Second verse, Isaiah 26, 3. This is a life verse. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Perfect peace. And when God began years ago to reveal that verse to me, it was like God said to me, John, it is not your job to keep yourself peaceful. It is your job to trust me. Keep your focus on me. When the devil puts these thoughts in your mind, you respond to those lies with truth. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus. And if, we, if God said, if you'll trust me, I will give you perfect peace. And that's a good word for somebody today too. You can't make yourself peaceful and you can't keep yourself peaceful. And when you begin to have those feelings of anxiety, if you just start trying to take the responsibility now of calming yourself down, that's just going to probably cause you to be more anxious. The way to calm yourself down is to trust Jesus, to trust the Lord to do it. And then Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This, I declared, this is my verse for the year 2020. I can do all things through Christ because there have been things the devil said to me, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Wait a second. Yes, I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we have to learn to respond to the devil's lies with God's word, with truth. Let me give you another verse. In Psalm 131 and verse 2. Now, David is writing this. And you ought to go look at it when you get home. Psalm 131 is a very short psalm. And in the first verse, he's talking about some of the problems and struggles and things he's going through in his life. But in verse 2, David said this. He said, surely I have calmed and quieted my soul. 
So David, if, if he calmed and quieted his soul, that must mean that before he did that, his soul was restless and anxious, but he learned how to calm his soul. Now, do you think David did that by saying, soul, be calm, mind, slow down? No, he did that by trusting God and saying, Lord, I'm taking, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, taking every thought captive. So the devil comes to you in that board meeting tomorrow morning at 8.55, right before you get up to speak. You can't do it. You can't do it. You're going to pass out. Look at you. You're sweating. Everybody's going to laugh at you when you get up there. You're not going to make it through your presentation. Here's what you say to the devil. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that will calm your soul because the Word of God has a way of doing that. So we have to guard our thoughts. Now, the third thing that causes this stress, not only overcrowded schedules and overactive mind, but overly trying to control people and situations. If you are a control freak, how many of you are a control freak? Would you raise your hand? Maybe do it this way. How many of you are sitting by a control freak? Would you raise your hand? I'm just kidding. But I think we all like to be in control. In fact, in Max Licato's book on this, he said that after soldiers came back home from World War II, many of them began to undergo psychiatric testing, psychological testing, and then others were tested, not because they felt like they needed it, but because the medical community wanted to test them. And they found out something very interesting. They found out that the most anxious, stressed out soldiers were the ones who had been ground troops, infantry, hand-to-hand combat, because those troops never knew if they were going to get shot from behind, shot from the side, or they just didn't know. The most relaxed soldiers or military personnel that came back from World War II, you'll never believe which category it was, it was the fighter pilots. Now, if you know anything about fighter pilots in war, you know that in World War II, 50% of fighter pilots were, were killed during the So they actually had a more dangerous job than the ground troops. Both were dangerous, but the percentage of losing your life was much higher if you were a fighter pilot, and yet they were less anxious than those fighting on the ground. And so the, the researchers were trying to figure out why would this be the case? And here's what they came up with. They said, even though the fighter pilots were in greater danger than the ground troops, since they were flying their own planes, they felt like they were in control. And that feeling of being in control, even though they were in great danger, that feeling of being in control reduced their anxiety and cause them to be calm. And so the study went on to say, in life, if we can feel like we're in control of something, we say, well, John, you almost said if we're control freaks, it's going to make it worse. And now you're saying if we feel like we're in control, it makes it better. Well, both are true. You see, if you feel like you're in control of something, that is going to make you more relaxed. But how many of us have learned in life The only person we can control is us. You can't control another person. Try that if you want to have some stress. You can't control a situation. You can't. The only thing that you can control is you. And so one of the keys to knocking out this anxiety and dealing with these physical problems and even lowering the depression is to figure out how do I deal with my desire to be in control? Because if I could feel like I'm in control, then it would relax me. Well, think about this. And see, as Christians, we have the inside track. We have the advantage over those who don't know the Lord. As Christians, we know that we don't have to be in control of the universe because God is. And so we relinquish our need for control to God 
and we give it to Him. And so what do we do with our control? We just let it, we just let it go. We just, and it's not, it's not that we just don't care. It's that we let it go and we relinquish that to God and saying, God, I'm asking you to be in total control of my life. And God, if I know you're in control, it's going to be just like those fighter pilots. I'm going to be more relaxed because you're in control. You being in control is even is much better than me having to be in control. And so for these first three things, if you are anxious today, overcrowded schedule, slow down. Take some time in the evening and just rest and relax and watch TV or work out or run or whatever you enjoy doing. If it's an overactive mind, guard your thoughts. Don't just get all the information in the world. When the devil puts a lie in your mind, respond with God's truth. If it's because uh, an over, uh, you're, you're overextending this whole control deal, let it go. Let God be in control. The fourth thing that causes us to be anxious, the fourth stressor that I'm mentioning this morning, is overwhelming sick circumstances in life. Overwhelming situations in life. An illness, a cancer diagnosis, the death of a family member, that'd be at the top of the list of what causes anxiety. Divorce, right up there with it. The loss of a job, moving. Maybe you've moved from one city to another. Maybe today you've just moved to the Pasadena area from Michigan or from some other state. You don't know anybody. And certainly you're going to be much more stressed out because of that. Because that's a major, that's a major life thing. So a situation, an, an un, uh, a, a, a situation that is just absolutely overwhelming to you. See, the main thing that causes this stress is being overwhelmed. That's the word right there. We're overwhelmed by our schedules, overwhelmed by our thoughts, overwhelmed by our desire to uh, be in control, and we're overwhelmed by this situation that's happened in life that has put us maybe into a state of shock or a panic, and so we don't, we're having trouble dealing with that. So what do you do today if that's what it is? See, these other three, I've told you, slow down, guard your thoughts, let God be in control. What about if it's an overwhelming circumstance in life? Just lost a loved one. I did a funeral yesterday. man lost his dad. He was here this morning listening to this sermon. man was very close to his dad. Well, how do you... Well, I was sitting there while I was pre- standing here while I was preaching, and I wonder how he's processing all the things. That I, what do you do if it's an overwhelming life event? Let me give you five things, and I'm just mentioning them and I can't delay any of this. But let me tell you five things you can do if today you feel completely overwhelmed by life itself. Number one, this is so very important give it time. Give it time. Many times when we get into anxiety, we didn't get into that situation overnight. Now, if it was a tragedy, we did. But if it wasn't a tragedy, it was probably a process of time that got us into it. And so we have to give it time. Just be patient. You're probably not going to come completely out of that overnight. That's just going to take time. Number two, you need to be able to talk to some family members and friends. It's the beauty of the church, the body of Christ. We have brothers and sisters in Christ that we can talk to. If you're struggling with anxiety, you've got to talk to somebody about that. You've got to have somebody that you can vent to and who will listen to you. And it doesn't need to be somebody who, as soon as you bear your soul, says back to you, well, you know, if you just trust in God more, you wouldn't be going through any of this. That'd be the first and last time I ever bore my soul to that. Because that's true. If you're trusting God, you wouldn't be able to deal, you wouldn't be dealing with it. But that's, a, that's not necessarily what, we, we just need somebody to listen at that time. Number three thing that will help us is prayer. Prayer. It's interesting in in our scripture today, Philippians 4, 6, and 7, verse 6, anxiety 
verse 7, the peace of God. What is the one thing that was between anxiety and the peace of God? Prayer. But in everything, by prayer. So we have to pray. If, if I were today, and I'm thankful that I'm not, but if I were standing up here today preaching and I had that feeling of anxiety where I couldn't relax, couldn't slow my mind down, just felt like my body was coming out of my skin, if I had that feeling today, you know what I would do and what I would encourage you to do if you're like that today? Here would be the quickest, I'm not saying a fix, but it will help you today. Go home this afternoon, find a quiet place in your home, on your back porch or somewhere, and for 30 minutes... Sit in the presence of God and don't say anything. Just say, God, it's what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. There's something about sitting in the presence of God. You could say something. You could say, God, you know today I'm just overwhelmed by life. And so, God, I'm just coming into your presence and I'm just asking you, God, speak to my heart. And, God, I'm asking you to calm me down. And if you want to say th- something, but I'm just saying sometimes we can, it's meditation. It's to sit in God's presence and just let him minister to us and let him calm us down. Number four thing that we can do when we get anxious is listen to good sermons and read good books. You say, now, John, we're waiting on those good sermons. When are they going to be coming along? Well, working on that. But there's something about listening to the word of God being taught. Stephen F. Alford, a faint, maybe the most uh, gifted preacher in American history, pastored for many years in New York City. Stephen F. Alford used to say, if a member of my church will not come to church regularly and listen to me teach the Word of God, I will not meet with him in a counseling session. Now, that's, that's strong to say that. But that's what he said because he felt like in the methodical teaching and preaching through the Word of God that many of our issues would be touched upon and many of them will be dealt with. So go to, don't ever underestimate the Word of God being taught and preached and even to read it for yourself and good books. There are tremendous numbers of good books out there on this subject. And then the number five thing and the most important of all, how are we going to deal with this anxiety, especially when we feel overwhelmed by life? What's the help, John? Is there an answer to my anxiety? Yes, there is. And I love what Louis Giglio said in his book. He just wrote a book called Putting an X Through Anxiety. Talked about how he had struggled with anxiety in his life. Best statement in the whole book. Here's what Louis said. He said, the cure for anxiety is not a plan. The cure for anxiety is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. The best thing that you can do with your anxiety, those uneasy feelings, inability to relax your mind and slow down, feel like you're coming out of your skin, those feelings that probably we have all had at one time or another, that fear that something bad might happen. What do we do with that? We say, Jesus, you're in control of my life. You are with me. You promise to always be with me. You promise if I would keep my focus on you, you would give me peace and keep me peaceful. And God, you've promised I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so, Jesus, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm treating my anxiety. Jesus, I am trusting you. I'm not saying that's the only thing you need to do. I'm saying that's the most important thing any of us could do when it comes to anxiety is just to say to Jesus, Jesus, I am trusting you. Amen. And so, Father, today I pray for the person listening to this message who came to church today, their mind racing, 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 maybe didn't sleep last night, stressed out, 
overwhelmed. God, I pray that something that I have said up here for the last half hour, you would take that and use it to help them deal with the stress, to help them deal with whatever it is that's overwhelming them so that they could lower the stress levels, lower the anxiety, lower many of these physical symptoms, and God, even lower the depression that they might be feeling in their lives. Would you just tell Jesus right now, would you just say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you, Jesus. With whatever I'm feeling right now, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. A lot of students here today for breaking free. Don't think that students are immune from anxiety because they're not. They may be battling it worse than we are. Things they're going through. They're going through things at a younger age. Many of us went through some of the stuff they're going through. We just didn't go through it that early. I guarantee you we've got dozens of kids over there this morning, students, battling with this anxiety. Students, would you just tell Jesus today, Lord, I trust you with what's going on at home. I trust you, God, with what my parents are going through. I trust you, God, with the fact that my boyfriend broke up with me. I trust you, God, that I feel like I'm not accepted or in the popular crowd. I trust you, God, that I feel left out and I'm in this, I feel awkward and socially uncomfortable. God, I trust you. It's a difficult age. They're feeling, they're, those kids over there, they're feeling every emotion you can imagine. Trust God with that. Father, I pray as we trust you, and I thank you that as we trust you, you will set us free. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, amen, amen.